from the classic poem by Walt Whitman. O you daughters of the West, O you mothers and you wives, never must you be divided, and our ranks you move united. Pioneers, O pioneers. Day to you wherever and whenever you may be listening. My name is Jason Dice, broadcasting and podcasting live from the studio of EloquentOnline.net in beautiful New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof. This is the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? That top secret trip I talked about last week was, in fact, to Denver, Colorado, to meet with the three pioneers at Safe Harbor Financial. The QSO started by Partner Colorado Credit Union, Sunday Seafried, Kim Carter Oliver, and Amanda McComb. I'm saying this because if you've never listened to one of my podcasts, please listen to the podcast coming up on the 23rd. It is our new monthly show. It'll be episode four of Sunday on Monday, the best podcast about cannabis banking that you can listen to any day of the week. I interviewed the three of these ladies together. It was fascinating. You cannot understand the scope of the cannabis marketplace by scrolling through LinkedIn or social media, you really need to be on the ground in Denver and Colorado. I know there are a lot of states that have legalized the recreational use, but Colorado uh, was one of the first, Colorado and Washington, back in 2012. But you just, the best example I can give is to take a brand like, say, Jack in the Box. Let's just say Jack in the Box was illegal. You were not allowed to purchase things from Jack in the Box. You are not allowed to transport things from Jack in the Box. You are not allowed to work at Jack in the Box. And so it was an entirely cash-based business. And then one day, the voters of Colorado decided, you know what, Um, we're going to make Jack in the Box legal. And now you have all of this cash and no place to put it. That is exactly what happened in Colorado. On November 6, 2012, Colorado and the state of Washington became the first two states to legalize recreational cannabis. In Colorado, Amendment 64 altered the state constitution and committed Colorado to regulating cannabis similarly to alcohol and tobacco. On January 1, 2014, Colorado became the first state to open recreational dispensaries. More about that in a second. The tax revenue generated from cannabis sales has Eclipse, the tax revenue from both alcohol and tobacco, has become a reliable source of revenue for the state of Colorado. Folks, it is impossible to describe how, what a big part of the marketplace in Colorado this is. Now, when it first started back in the 20-teens, I was getting frustrated with social media posts by people who called themselves disruptors but never disrupted anything. 
I have a long history with Colorado. I spoke at over 400 credit union events, but my first conference event was at the Broadmoor Hotel in Colorado Springs for, at the time, the Colorado League, now the Mountain West League. Before I took the stage, I got this whole presentation from the conference organizers about the difference between banks and credit unions. Credit unions were people helping people. Credit unions were helping the underserved and the underbanked. But most of all, what made credit unions unique, unlike their for-profit bank counterparts, was that credit unions worked together in a cooperative marketplace. Well. All the investigating I've done, and the reason I had to go there on the ground, I had to see this for myself first of all, because when we had Sunday on the show earlier this year, in March, first of all, it was an instant classic, and if you want to hear that show, the episode is right there embedded in this show's episode description. It just didn't seem possible that a, you know, it's not the biggest credit union in the world, it's not the smallest, Partner Colorado Credit Union, $400 million in assets, they are operating in the shadows of much, much bigger credit unions who did nothing for the cannabis marketplace. And so I want to talk about that. I want to talk about it from the perspective of what is this? There's so many lessons in all of this, and I'm trying to be as fair and, and impartial as I can be. But when we had Sunday on the show, I got a lot of calls from people who said, wow, you don't know the half of it. This, this lady was treated very badly in Colorado. The words I heard was she was treated like a social pariah. People were very nasty about certain things. You have to suspend how you feel about cannabis. I live in a state where it is illegal. It is illegal to, to purchase, own, transport cannabis in the great state of Texas. But by popular sovereignty, the people in Colorado approved this on a ballot initiative, and I've got nothing to say about that. I'm a huge believer in popular sovereignty. I love federalism. I love states being their own states. If you don't like what Colorado was doing, there are no walls around Colorado. You can move someplace else. You can do like everybody else and move to Texas or Florida. If you want to live in Colorado because of that, you can move there. When I first got to Denver, my first thought was, wow, this might not be such a good thing for the environment, though, because the entire city was shrouded in this smoky haze, but that had nothing to do with the cannabis market place. It has to do with the wildfires that are going on out west. So after the break, I want to take as quickly as I can to tell you what my observations were. You know, a Zoom meeting, a webinar, a white paper, an email, even a phone call cannot accomplish what this trip to Denver accomplished this past week. It, this is a major marketplace. The three pioneers at Safe Harbor Financial they were the ones that got out there. They were the ones that took the risks. I don't like to say took the arrows because nobody was really shooting at them, but you know what I mean by that from an analogy standpoint. And these three ladies have done what so many of you just talk about. There is a tremendous chasm between intentions and results. And in the latter, Sunday, Kim, and Amanda have lived out and practiced all the things that you see hashtagged and put on social media, people helping people, banking the underserved. And they did it with very little help, and I believe with some legitimate obstacles tossed in their way by other credit union professionals and leaders who simply didn't have the vision or the guts or the courage. And I think in some of those cases, these male credit union leaders 
treated a stone-cold credit union professional who's been in credit unions since the Reagan administration. The only word I can come up with is they treated her in an ungentlemanly manner. And me being from Texas, that's a big deal. So we're going to talk about it, and we're going to do it all right after this. For over 11 years, conference quality information without the expense report. This is the Power Performance Podcast. Speaking of a group of ladies that literally rock, that would be the Bangles from 1986, walk like an Egyptian. No matter where you're walking in Denver, Colorado, it's just obvious that the cannabis marketplace is to Colorado what barbecue places are here in Texas. And you can't fully appreciate the scope of what was going on there in the early days Employees at these cannabis dispensaries are being paid in cash. They're taking in voluminous amounts of cash, paper, money. People are being robbed. People are being shot and killed. There is no legitimate banking for a now gigantic legitimate marketplace. So naturally, the multi-billion dollar credit unions who have gone to 4,000 conferences every year, who have placed all of the hashtags, people helping people, people helping the unbanked, they rushed right in to help, except they didn't. Nope. Instead, it's Partner Colorado Credit Union with their charismatic CEO who can I, the the retirement line from where she's sitting in her office, could just cruise into retirement instead, had the foresight with her team to fill a need. And I got to tell you, that was the number one thing that I came away with from these interviews. These people have a personal stake in all of this. There is a passion to all of this. They are not looking for credit and accolades, although they've received some and they deserve them, by the way. What they have built in the Safe Harbor brand is simply fascinating. It's one of the biggest stories in the credit union marketplace in the 21st century. And if that sounds like hyperbole to you, go to Denver and look at an an entire massive marketplace that was not being banked. Big credit unions, big credit union CEOs scoffed at this idea. Um, They ridiculed Sunday and her team for what they were trying to accomplish. NAFQ and CUNA for all of their advocacy attorneys and legal counsels were of no help. I did speak to Scott Earl this morning at the Colorado, now it's called the Mountain West Credit Union Link. Very, very fair-minded gentleman. I asked him some pretty pointed questions, and he provided me some pretty specific answers. And so when I asked him, why didn't the league get more involved in this, he basically said, look, we're a risk-averse industry. We're not into taking these types of risks, and they didn't. And so it's on Partner Colorado Credit Union, and basically these three original pioneers. And you know, that's a hard word to use in the 21st century. Pioneer, this, is not, this again is not hyperbole. This actually happened. This is the number one thing. I have to remind everybody, I'm not an accounting major. 
I'm not a marketing major. I have a degree in American history. I love a history because you can go back to it and study it and know that it happened. And there is a tremendous history here. Sunday Seafried literally wrote the book on cannabis banking. If you want that book, if your state has legalized recreational use and you want to know how to do this the right way, first thing you need to do is when you finish listening to this podcast is contact Safe Harbor. Find out what they can do for you as either a cannabis-related business or a banking brand that wants to help because they are the experts. I could not believe when I walked into the headquarters, like all of this stuff, $8 billion in money banked for the cannabis industry, it is not some palatial office complex. This was not some massive campus that you will find. You know, I drive by the Randolph Brooks Federal Credit Union corporate headquarters a couple times a month, and it looks like the Pentagon or at least a couple sides of it. I interviewed Sunday, Amanda, and Kim together. That's going to be the core of the show on the 23rd that you do not want to miss. Look, I'll be honest. If someone says to me, commercial banker, I think of a guy. All right? You can call the DEI police on me if you want. If somebody says teller supervisor, I imagine and envision a lady. That is just you know, the 20th century banking culture working against all my attempts to be open-minded about these things. These are three ladies in what nobody can argue is a male-dominated marketplace of banking, and there's no other way to put it. They simply did what needed to be done. They didn't do it for awards. They didn't do it for publicity. They didn't do it for fame. They did it because there were legitimate people in Colorado trying to run a legitimate business and had no place to put their money. When you tune into the show on the 23rd, you're going to hear them tell stories about literally counting mountains of cash because that's, that's what the industry was being paid with. The Safe Harbor team is figuring out these problems on the go. There's no webinar to attend. There's no conference session to attend. There's no experts. They're becoming the experts while being the pioneers. It is one of the greatest undertold stories, in my opinion. And I've been doing this show for 11 years. I've kept my eye on just about everything I can in the credit union marketplace. And there, there is an awful lot to this story that you'll hear more about when we do the Sunday on Monday episode on the 23rd, Monday the 23rd. You do not want to miss that show. I was struck by the chemistry between these three ladies. It is obvious Sunday is the leader, but somehow you feel everyone is equal in the room. And it's just three uber-talented, passionate people who have a personal stake in all of this, and oh, by the way, it's not just lip service to the people helping people thing. It's not a hashtag. It's not a LinkedIn post. It's not a clever meme. They're actually doing the work even as you're listening to this podcast because it has to be done, and all the other geniuses at the larger credit unions and at some of the trades didn't have the guts to do it. Now, I'm going to say something. This is my personal opinion. Nobody told me to say this. Nobody at Safe Harbor told me to say this. This is my personal opinion. A lot of these bigger credit unions and some of the people perhaps at some of these trade associations, I don't think they were scared. I think they were lazy. 
You know, when, when you spend all of your time going to conferences and hearing about all the things that you should be doing, you don't have time to do all of them or any of them for that matter. I think a lot of these larger credit union CEOs were simply lazy and they missed out on a tremendous opportunity to connect the credit union marketplace with the cannabis marketplace, the go-to place. If you're down in Denver, I mean in Colorado Springs or anywhere in Colorado, Pueblo, you name it, and you've got a, a dispensary, a cannabis-based business, and you're like, man, we need banking services. Well, you should go to one of those credit unions. You have one of those credit unions in town. They're the ones that are the experts at this. Well, they are the experts at this. Sunday has made them the experts at this. The entire team, they've become the experts at this for banks and credit unions. I mentioned, I understand they received some awards for this. They're finally getting some credit for this. But some of the people, I think, that are you know, passing out the awards were the ones tripping them and tying their shoes together when, when the starter's gun went off for the 100-yard dash. Well, it's not 100 dash. It's been a marathon. As I've mentioned several times, I've been doing this show for 11 years. I don't think I've ever asked people to listen to the podcast, but this one coming up on the 23rd is it's must-hear, must-hear show. Um, final observations about all of this. I did visit one of the cannabis dispensaries there. I think it was called Light Shade. Now, being from Texas and the fact that I was driving home to Texas, I won't wear a mask, so I had to drive to Denver from my home in New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof. And since I didn't want to spend the night you know, at the uh, police department in Lubbock, Texas, obviously I didn't purchase anything. But I will tell you this, at that dispensary, it was the best customer service I experienced on the entire trip. I spoke to a far, former Army nurse who turned in her RN license to help run this dispensary because of how much relief she got from cannabis for her PTSD symptoms. The personal stake in all of this is self-evident when you listen to the show on the 23rd. There is a legitimate, almost maternal passion in all of this. And again, as somebody who gets frustrated with the people who just talk about things, who talk about people helping people, who talk about banking the unbanked, a lot of y'all, that's all you ever do. Three ladies and the team at Safe Harbor Financial, they actually did it. They added tangible results to the credit union credos of people helping people, all that credit union vernacular, banking the underserved, banking the unbanked. I realize that credit unions may be a bit risk averse, but this was popular sovereignty. You had to know this was going to be a successful thing in Colorado if you had spent any time there when the ballot initiative passed back in 2012. Should have been prepared for this. And here is this little credit union in Arvada, Colorado, Denver, that just takes something that was not there and creates something that is now in multiple states and has banked over $8 billion with a B. I think credit unions missed an amazing opportunity here. History will account for that. I want to thank 
everybody at Safe Harbor. I met so many great people up there, the three ladies. I got to meet Sunday's older sister, Kimmer, who sounds just like Sunday. A total aside here, uh, I've done over 585 episodes. I've had a lot of people on the show. Sunday has the best voice. I, I refer to it as velvet concrete, kind of like Kathleen Turner in her heyday. And I was surprised that her sister had the same kind of uh, velvety concrete. I just made that term up just now. It's, it's, it's what I think is smooth, but it's, it's strong and it's tough and it's certain. Uh, just, just an amazing story. Uh, the Safe Harbor Financial website is right there in this particular episode description. Folks, um, I'm not new at this. I've seen a lot of things come and go, and it takes a lot to impress me. I was thoroughly blown away, impressed, whatever word you want to use, when I went and visited the Safe Harbor Financial. Could not have appreciated this on a Zoom call, a phone call, a webinar, nothing like that. One last time, if you want to understand how big this marketplace is in Colorado and therefore understand the scope of the potential that the credit union marketplace missed out on in Colorado, Wait a couple weeks for these fires to go away. I don't think I ever saw the Rocky Mountains while I was up there. This is haze that has descended over Denver. Uh, very unpleasant because I was looking forward to all of that. You've got to go there. Just spend a couple of days, and, uh, and you'll see what I'm talking about. So for the first time ever, I'm asking you, mark your calendars, 23rd of August, Sunday on Monday. Uh, you're going to hear from these three ladies because what they did is amazing run out of ways to talk about this. If I, if I could tell you how impressed I was with this operation, this podcast would be four or five hours long. My name is Jason Dias. Thank you so much for listening to the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? And until next we speak, we'll talk to you all next week. Take care.